Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, this is Eating Disorder Week, and if you saw Sheila Nocton today, you wouldn't think that this had anything to do with her. She's completely healthy-looking, yet Sheila, who's head of news at Tip FM, struggled with anorexia for years, finally going into a full recovery five years ago. Today, of course, apart from the day job, she's also an advocate for recovery. Sheila, good afternoon to you. Hello, how are you? Not too bad. If When you look back, and of course, you know, hindsight is uh, very easy. When you look back, where do you think it started? Oh, well, I suppose at the time I was diagnosed in 2017 and I'd, at that time I remember telling the consultant that I was only sick for five months and for I speak to many people and parents and they'll say it happened to them overnight. But actually when I look really back through kind of all the counselling and therapy I've done, we, we really think that it might have started from when I was as young as seven. Wow. Um, yeah, I... I, I specifically remember standing on a scale for the first time at seven because I was in my granny's house and like to this day I remember the sound of it like the numbers and and I don't think something like that would be as vivid to people who maybe weren't vulnerable in some way um and and that really kind of continued on all the way up like at the age when I was about 11 my mother remembers me standing in mirrors like like pulling at my stomach and she didn't know why but I remember I just wanted to see if I could make myself look smaller so there was really fascinations or I suppose obsessions around my body and, and what it looked like from very very young um but the eating disorder itself when it got very severe I was you know I was an adult Right. Okay. And 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 so it, it maybe were the problems while you were a teenager because obviously that's a very vulnerable age as well uh, to boot on top of everything else. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I recently went back to counselling about four weeks ago, and I I've been looking back on kind of the ages of of twelve, thirteen. You know when when girls are starting to develop and hit adolescence and things like that. And it turns out that a lot of things actually did happen back then that maybe I had either blocked out. Or wasn't really aware of what was happening. And um, really, it was bullying when I got to secondary school, which I didn't consider bullying at the time. So, you know, Mm. didn't really tell anyone. But there was constant comments on my body, my appearance. And and at the time, I did do things actually to try and counteract it. Like there was, I remember boys in the year ahead of me calling me she-man because I had muscly legs. And so I stopped wearing skirts and I didn't wear them up until my graduation in sixth year. I wore trousers and, uh, you know, these comments, they stick with me to today where I often catch a glimpse in the mirror and still think back to, oh, God, your legs look huge in this. So, you know, tiny little comments that might have seemed insignificant that they really stuck with me and and kind of propelled me into it in secondary school. Yeah. So what age were you then? You were in your 20s then when, if you like, you started acting on those feelings? Yeah. So when I was in about fifth year, when I was about 17, I went on my first diet. And I always say to people, I've been on a diet since. Uh, Like I can't, you know, I can't remember a day where I woke up and didn't have the thought of let's be on a diet. Um, which which is awful, but really, then I I went to college and I I flirted with the idea, if you if you put it that way, in that I would go in and out of fad diets. I would try these detoxes. I I basically was like a marketer's dream. Like mm. I did everything, and then when I got to my final year of college, like I was very, you know, on the surface of it, like everything was was so 
was so good and everyone kept telling me how happy I should be and I knew I should be happy. But I got to my final year. I came out with Trinity with, you know, with first class honours. I was I was on Gogglebox at the time. Like everything was great. And then I just felt like I didn't know where to go. I didn't feel happy and I felt guilty about it. And so I thought, I'm not worthy of anything and I'm and nothing I'm doing is good enough. So what will be good enough is if I if I just improve my body. So I was about 21 and just finished college and I, when I say spiraled and there was, there was a, within five months, there was no going back for me really. Yeah. And, and when you say spiraled, I, 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 and I'm assuming people with anorexia have different patterns when they're mm. in, in the thick of it. Could you give us some idea what yours was? So uh, I suppose I also say that I, have had loads of different diagnoses. So when I was in college, I definitely had like what would be considered orthorexia, where I was just obsessed with clean eating. So I wasn't necessarily losing weight, but I was very controlled with what I would allow myself to have. And then that tiptoed into anorexia, where I was obsessed with with weight loss. Mm. Um, And I never give too many specifics because I'd be aware that there'd be people listening who would say, who are vulnerable, and they'll they'll actually try and emulate that. But what I will say is I was, so restrictive with the foods that I would allow myself. I never gave myself permission to enjoy any food. So even if I did have it, it couldn't be something I liked. And then there was the exercise, which I mean, I remember dislocating a knee and like I would still force myself to go out and and do exercise. Oh. So uh, like my my day, you, you could basically if you asked me to go to something or do something and it interfered with any rule I had about my eating disorder. I would not do it. And I remember just, I used to wake up and I I couldn't believe I had to go through the day again and do all of those things again. Like, it's like the alcoholic where you, you wake up and think you're not going to have the drink or I'd wake up and think I'm not going to do the exercise. And ultimately, by the end of the day, I, I had done it all. Yeah. What kind of an effect did that have on you physically? Oh, God. And actually, that's something that I very rarely get asked, funnily enough. But the physical effects were horrendous. Like, I was always in pain. So whether that was like my stomach was in pain, I was, you go past the stage of hunger. So I, I actually didn't feel hunger anymore. But like my head was always fuzzy. Um, I would fall all of the time. I have scars on my arms, legs, where I would just fall and get cut and then you can't heal. Um, my hair was falling out. Um, I had awful skin. Um Kind of everything, even I remember there was one day I stood on a step at my mobile home in Waterford, a concrete step, and I had a bag on my back and it was so heavy that it pulled me back off the step and I just whacked my head off the ground, ended up with a concussion. And I remember just lying there and I I just thought like, like if this, if this killed me, would that be the worst thing? Like Mm. that is how you feel. And I remember again, I, I had a few inpatient stays and in one of them, one night, they, they brushed me down. They took, hooked me up to an ECG machine. I'd never had an ECG in my life, so I actually didn't know what was happening to me. And they said, you you know, we're, we're very worried about your heart. And I said, what what do you mean worried about my heart? And they were like, it's so low. It's so slow. Like, you could die. But, you know, that didn't even scare me. And I actually remember I just went to bed and was like, OK, can, can I go to bed now? My word. When you During that period when you looked in the mirror... What were you saying? Um, I actually remember saying to my dad, 
I shouldn't be in this bed. Look how sick those girls are. I'm not that sick. So I, and to this day, to be honest, I don't see what other people see. And, and I, actually, I've no idea what they see. Now, at the time, obviously, obviously now I'm I'm kind of, I'm safe and stuff. So it, it's not that, not that bad. But at the time, I remember just, I would pick at myself. You do these things called body checks, which anyone who has an eating disorder will understand, where you fixate on a certain part of your body and you might like, for example, I remember wringing my wrists to make sure to just see if there was any fat on them. And I remember like, you, I pull at my stomach all of the time. So like I could see fat are, are, are on my body that, that wasn't there. Like it, it wasn't there. And it's only now I realise it wasn't. But there was a moment where I walked into a changing room on Stephen's day, actually, because I remember we were at the sales in Dublin and I brought a pair, I brought a jumper in and trousers that I were my original size, you know, that my, my normal size and they fell off me. And I just thought, oh my God, I'm not this, I'm not this size anymore. So what I'm seeing in the mirror isn't real. And I think that was actually the moment I, I always say I saw what everybody saw. And so I kind of, I got a glimpse of what I must look like. And, mm. you know, that didn't last, but yeah. Yeah. Did you did you have repeated attempts to get into recovery or or, or, or was there a crystallising moment? Yeah, so that was a crystallising moment, but that was actually after I had been discharged after my first five weeks since. So I... I accepted or I acknowledged I needed help months before, but didn't want the help, which is a really unusual place to be in. And I remember putting the referral letter in a drawer and being like, I'm actually, I've got the referral. That's as much as I'm doing. Um, And then, yes, I went into uh, recovery, uh, quote unquote, for five weeks and was like, okay, now you make me better. Um, But refused to comply with anything I was asked to do. And then I got discharged and told she has to hit rock bottom and realise it for herself. And that moment in the mirror, I remember I walked out to my mum and I said, I need to go sit down and I also need to go back to hospital. And she said, thank God. Yeah. So so there was a moment. Now, can I say it took, I think, two and a half more years for me to be medically safe. And there was talk after the second stint, which was 12 weeks, that I should readmit myself for a third time. But I think I put my foot down at that stage and was like, no, I'm doing this myself. Yeah, because I suppose the physical recovery is that the relatively easy part of this. At the start, no. It's like you think the world's going to end and you feel like you will never be able to do what the medical professionals are asking you to do. But yes, once you kind of, I suppose, find things, like see the benefits of it in that, you know, you can maybe keep a conversation, you can engage a bit more, you actually can go to therapy because you're able to focus on it. You start to see that, okay, this bit isn't that bad. And then as you say yes, you suddenly start to realise, oh my God, there's so much um, mental work that I'm going to have to do here. And that can be overwhelming as well. Mm-hmm. And and from what you're saying, Sheila, this sounds like that's an ongoing project for you. Yes, yeah, so that's probably, and you mentioned kind of in your intro there that maybe looking at me now, you might know. Um, you probably wouldn't know. And But I know <laughs> internally what's happening and the effects of the eating disorder and the way it made me feel and how worthless it made me feel at times that thing that's something I'm still dealing with. So, you know, I have often said to people, I'm sorry you have to put up with me or, you know, um, what do I have to offer to this conversation or to this group? Um and that's that's a really hard thing. You know, and, and I would never say that to a friend, but I say it to myself 
Um, mm. and, and you know, I constantly question myself. I overthink. Um, and, and you're you're always battling. Well, I'm always battling with that. Yeah, because I I imagine you kind of alluded to yourself there that that. And when people get in these situations and you made the comparison yourself to, to, to alcoholics, but that it has an ongoing effect on family and friends. And, and I imagine your parents, it must have been very stressful for them as well. Oh, it, I, I think what it does to people around you is like, it's heartbreaking. And for for anybody who's listening, who maybe is a, a parent or a guardian or somebody who is of somebody who's going through it. I think some of the worst thing is that you want to actually do it for them when you mm. can't do it for yourself, but you actually can't even do it for them. And they're sitting. I remember my, my dad being told if she wants to die, you can't stop her. And he said that was one of the most awful things he ever had to hear. But he also had to accept it that like if if I wasn't going to accept recovery and accept help, then that is what was going to happen and he couldn't stop me from doing that. And my sister always says, even today, she won't follow me online because she finds it too hard to see me write about my, you know, my experience and know that I went through that. Like it, it breaks, it breaks their hearts. My friend came to visit me in hospital and it was only a few years later, she said she just sat in her car and sobbed. And I didn't feel that sadness for myself, but I felt sad that they felt that way. Yeah. I know what you mean. Well, it's it's. Uh, um, I suppose the good news is that Sheila is well and healthy, and uh, and, and continuing to advocate as well for people uh, uh, who are suffering from uh, eating disorders. Sheila, thanks a million for speaking with us today. Uh, that was Sheila Nocton there, uh, head of news at uh, Tip FM. Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at two p.m. on News Talk.